Good morning, Harvest. Happy Father's Day to all our fathers today. I hope you have an opportunity to be with some family in your groups of 10. However, you're going to figure that out <laughs> and uh, just have a great day today uh, as we celebrate Father's Day. I want to take just a moment to bring some direction. Uh, and I, first, before I do that, is to thank you so very, very much for your patience and allowing us to take our time on the uh, on our reopening as everybody knows by now Ontario has allowed a phase one opening where uh, places of worship can have up to 30 percent of their capacity their room capacity in the room some churches went last week some are going back this week and and some like our church uh, are just waiting a little bit to understand and be able to interpret first of all all of the requirements so what the Ontario government sent out was clear in terms of what we could do for capacity, but the health unit is a little bit slower in bringing some of their uh, recommendations slash mandates. And so we wanna be a church that just moves forward in our community with great sensitivity. So not just thinking about ourselves, but really the impression that we give on how we open up. And so are we in a big hurry to open up and we don't really care what the health unit says? We want to be a church that really takes its time, uh, that, which might require a couple of extra weeks, which is the case with us. And I want to just thank you so, so very much. We have not landed on a very clear strategy yet, but we are super close. Uh, I'm just waiting. I've spoken to the health unit and I'm waiting to get some clarity back. Really, the issue right now is public singing, which really defines our service. And so if we can't sing together, um, then that, that creates a problem for us as, as we gather. Uh, a, a lot of other logistics as well, and we're working diligently. Thank you for filling out the survey. That was so helpful. And if you haven't filled out a survey, uh, one was sent to everybody who calls Harvest their church. And if you didn't get one, just uh, text in the box, I didn't get one. It means you're not in the database and someone will follow it up and get you in our database so that we can communicate with you. So please be looking for some clear um, expectations and some communication. We are super excited about moving closer to being together here physically in our building. I hope you've had an opportunity to get your book already for our July series, Dangerous Prayers by Craig Rochelle. Uh, I announced that last week. If you're hearing it for the first time this week, we're going to take uh, we're going to take some time through the month of July to look at the whole concept that he writes about dangerous prayers. I won't give it away. Uh, you read the book. We're going to go through it uh, three Sundays in July. And we, uh, we're hoping everybody gets a chance to read that book. And uh, you can um, be a part of this as we do a book study uh, this summer. And we'll announce our second book very soon for the month of August. One of the reasons I'm setting time aside for July and August and to talk about prayer and to talk about spiritual things is to get ready for September. I feel like the Lord has kind of earmarked that for us as a church and I began to unpack that last week. And I want to be clear that I don't, you know, you know how sometimes a parent might say, hey, I have a surprise for you and it's going to come on your birthday or I have a surprise for you in a couple of weeks. They want it to be a surprise. I think that God sometimes is like that and that he's not being super clear, uh, at least with me, uh, and I don't think we're supposed to try to press him for the details. What's happening in September? Uh, is it a single event? Is it something that's going to begin and get stronger and stronger, which is kind of what I'm sensing and feeling. 
But I'm not positively sure about that. I just heard what I am positive about and what I know I can relate to you is what the Holy Spirit said is harvest, get ready for September. Do not come back into our building just like we left it, but come back with a fresh hunger for the manifestation of the presence of God. And that's what I'm sure about. And so we're going to be doing that as, as we talk about prayer and as we talk about getting our hearts ready to pray a very simple prayer. And it's from Exodus. We're going to look at it again. Where Moses says to God, I'm not going forward unless you assure me your presence is going with us. And that's a non-negotiable harvest. And I want to just maintain that and be intentional about that. That we not meet for the sake of meeting, but we come together expectant, seeking God, full of faith that His presence will be here so strong as we return. And so God actually responds to Moses and he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And rest there does mean rest from his enemies, but it's more than that. It's the throne rest of God. When God came on the seventh day of creation and it says he rested on the seventh day, the chair he sat on was the universe. <laughs> he was the sovereign of the universe he had created. He sat down and took his rightful place as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, when Adam and Eve allowed sin to enter into the world, the world has not worked properly since, not as God intended it to. And so now as God's people gather and God's presence comes to rest, it comes on God's people, where else would God's presence show up? God made a promise that he would be with his people. But there are many people in the world that aren't his people yet, but he desires them that none should perish. And so God manifests his presence amongst his people, the church. And when there's a high expectation for that, miracles can take place. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Creating an atmosphere for miracles. When God's in the room, there's an atmosphere for miracles. I think God wants us to increase our expectation for miracles. Moses said to God, well, if your presence doesn't go with us, we're not going. And it's not that he's being, uh, you know, a hard nose with God or he, he's negotiating hard. It's his heart saying, I know it's useless to try to be your people without you, without your presence with us. Now, last week I talked about we still obviously treasure the omnipresence of God. He's everywhere at one time. That's what makes him God. The personal presence of God as I seek him in my own time and my own quiet place with God. And, and we're not taking away from that. But I want to stir your faith because as Moses goes on, he says, how will anyone know? How will outside people know that you're pleased with me and with your, with your people unless your presence shows up? What will distinguish me and your people from the other people in the face of the earth? In other words, when people gather and we want to gather right now because we've been isolated. And gatherings is going to be happening. I, I got a chance to sit on a patio just yesterday. And, and it was so cool to feel a little bit normal uh, on a patio and have food served at a restaurant. And so we're all longing to gather. And so the world's gathering. We're gathering. What makes it different? That we just really love each other at church? Well, people in the world love each other. It's when the presence of God comes into our gatherings. And there's a distinct difference and a oh, God's in the room that's what I want to stir you for 
So as we pray for a greater manifestation, and we're kind of setting July and August aside to pray like Moses, God, will you come? God, will you go with us? And of course, I believe the answer to that is God is saying, yes, yes, I will. So I, I think that as we have an expectation for a greater sense of the moving of the Holy Spirit, and I want to stir you today for an atmosphere for miracles, because God's in the room. Well, I always say it this way. Uh, I'm an outdoorsman, and sometimes I've tracked animals, and you look for their footprints. God leaves big footprints. <laughs> if God's been in the room, if God's been in my life, I know He leaves gigantous footprints. <laughs> I want to preface the working of the Holy Spirit with this. An expectation of a greater manifestation of the working of God does not mean that we're going to get weird at harvest. <laughs> There's enough in the church world that's super weird, passing off as the working of God. And I'm, I'm just, I'm very cautious about that. And that's not what I'm looking for. Because I don't believe that it means we have to get weird. Jesus uh, wasn't weird. Jesus uh, was understood by the culture of his time and accepted and loved because he was loving. And he was working in their midst. So I'm not talking about weird stuff happening, but I am talking about a greater, greater manifestation of God's work. And Jesus talked about what it looks like when heaven comes to earth, which is what we're really talking about here. Jesus said, your kingdom come, pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, our prayers, our worship, our gatherings open a portal that allow heaven to come and manifest upon the earth. And then we go out as his emissaries, his ambassadors, the New Testament calls us, and we go out as ambassadors with something, a representation of our country and our countrymen, the kingdom of God, the power and the working of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus showed us what that looked like. And so when he began his ministry, he said, the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit is upon me. He's anointed me, which is a Bible word for there was evidence. Uh, he deputized me. He, he's given me the same power. So that's what's happened to us to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. In other words, we're living in a season of grace. We're living not in judgment, but in grace of God pouring out his love upon the world. So that was what was on Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this thought for a minute, because this is what's on his church, his body. His disciples saw John 20, verses 30, 31. His disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in the book, the book of John. And I mean, there's lots and lots and lots of them. These are written so that you may continue to believe. You may continue to believe. You may continue to have faith. You may continue to stir yourself with expectancies. We look at what Jesus did. That's the benchmark. That's the expectation for what we should expect. These are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Christos, the, the anointed one, the Christ, using uh, the, the New Testament, used, um, uh, used different languages, Aramaic and Greek. And so these are different words to describe the same thing. He's the anointed one. He's the Son of God. And that by believing in Him, you will have life 
by the power of His name. That you will come under that same anointing. That you will know that same Spirit that rested on Jesus would rest on His body, would rest on, on you and I. Jesus also did, it continues, many other things. John 21, 25. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Now, when I think about that, I think, I think it's either hyperbole or a point is trying to be made here because Jesus did miracles for three and a half years. And even if you followed him for all three and a half years and recorded every single miracle, it's real time three and a half years, the world could, could, it could contain all those books. What is the writer of John saying? He's, it's either hyperbole, in other words, he, he's, 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 he's writing liter- in a literary fashion to make us think big, or something bigger is being alluded to, and which is what I, I think, and I, and I want to share that with you. So let's, let's connect some thoughts here. Let's go to Psalm 139, verse 16. David, David speaking about God's Spirit in his life. You saw me before I was born. Right? God is everywhere. He's not limited. He, he knows all of us, and He has seen all of us even before we were born. So life in God, God sees us um, even before conception. Every day of my life was, past tense, recorded in your book. So from the beginning to the end of my life. Now, I don't believe, personally, that the Scriptures are teaching that the foreknowledge of God, God knowing my whole life before it happens, is causational. You say, well, well, Pastor, what does that mean? God doesn't cause the things to happen in my life that happen. He just knows that they're going to happen. So His knowing doesn't change the course of my life. I have a will, a free will, and God knows what I'm going to choose, and He works with us and with our free will. Now, keep, it, keep that in mind for a moment, because I want to be really clear that God isn't locking you into a destiny that you have no control over. God knows your destiny. God has a destiny for you that He's written down, that He's aware of, that He desires for you and I, and He wants us to bring our will into alignment with His will to fulfill what's written in the book for our life. Now, that's important, our book. Huh. Jesus recorded miracles that if the whole world had them all couldn't contain them what are we talking about i want to just stay with me i i want to unpack this idea i think it's important for us as we have an expectation for miracles to create an atmosphere for miracles at harvest every moment was laid out before a single day had passed how precious are your thoughts about me (laughs) so what did god write in his book (laughs) Have you ever seen someone that journals or someone that keeps notes or someone that's texting feverishly and you're wondering, what, what are you writing? And they might turn it so you can't see. Now you really want to know. God wants you to know. What's, what's written about me in the book? God's book that has the volume, Roy Stevenson, on the shelf. What's in that book? Well, it says, how precious are your thoughts about me? All the things that God has written. It's precious. It's wonderful. It's beyond understanding. It goes on, it says, they they cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, and he's saying, when I'm dreaming about how awesome this is, there you are with me. You're still with me. What's written in the book? 
And what does your book, what does the volume of your life of how God wants to use you, what's that volume look like for you? I just want you to stop and think about it. Because I need to challenge you. For some of you, it's a one-page advertisement that you get in the mail as a mailer. I love you. Your life's going to be great. No, it's more than that. It's not a brochure. It's not a pamphlet. It's a book. And how, I think we get to decide, how big is the book? Because David said, even if I try to dream about it, it's more than I can imagine. And the New Testament says this, it's more than I can conceive. The great things that God wants to do in our lives and for our loved ones and for our friends and for our city, it is so incredible we can't even number it. And yet it's written down. And I'm thinking that the book that John was talking about was not just Jesus creating an atmosphere where he did miracles, but his church all over the world creating space. My life is a book. Your life is a book. And our book is writing books that are writing books that are writing books that are writing books. And it's too much to number. And those are the books that the world couldn't contain. God's promises, God's will, His destiny. Come on, think about it this morning. Will you be a part? Would you begin to challenge yourself to say, God, will you begin to use me in a more powerful way as I come in the atmosphere of your presence to begin hearing your voice, understanding what's written in the pages so that I can be a part of the fulfillment of the books that are coming to fulfillment. They've already been written, but to fulfillment. And according to John, I think what he's after, the world can't contain what God wants to do. Can you hear it? The world cannot contain what God wants to do. But God can contain it, and you and I can contain it, and we're inviting every human being because God's invitation is to whoever will may come. So what I want to do in the weeks to come is just help us build a climate for miracles. Next week I want to talk to you about how unbelief can really literally tie the hands of God amongst his people that that God the principles that that God has given us that he cooperates with us, he cooperates with our faith. He cooperates with our expectancy. And he he utilizes it in in a way that uh, we release the kingdom of God. Our prayers, our lifestyle of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven is super important. And next week I want to talk about that. But just before we go this week, I really want to emphasize this aspect of you have a destiny. You have something that God has given you to do. We're going to pick up on this as well in the month of July as we pray dangerous prayers. And the last uh, section of Craig Rochelle's book is Send Me. God is not sending us empty-handed. God is not sending us in fear and trepidation as we figure out how do we talk to our friends and neighbors about Jesus. God is sending us with power. God is sending us with the working of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, it begins, the church begins with a visitation. Well, no, last week it's not a visitation. I'm so used to saying that word, and there I just did it. We're so programmed for a God visiting us, not a visitation in Acts. 
God came to rest. God came to rest. The Bible says that the cloven tongues of fire rested on each of them. You can't read that if you've read the Bible without understanding that it's the same word that God, on the seventh day that God rested on creation. And so when God created His church, His now He's working to change creation. The change force of creation are the individuals in the room in Acts that He came and rested on. His presence rested on. The Old Testament, we've looked at this before as well, Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where would you build a place that I could hang out? Where is my place of rest? Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, or in some translations, rest his head. It's not talking about a house and a pillow. He's saying that birds have a place, a nest, they multiply. Foxes have a place, to multiply. But the Son of Man is looking for the place. You've got to get this. <laughs> the Son of Man is looking for a place to lay His head, His headship, His authority, His, his throne, His presence needs to come and rest in a place in the same way it works in, 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 the, um, in, in, in nature as God designed it, where you have one fox and then two foxes, there are ten foxes. Where there's one bird and two birds, now there are a whole nest of birds. Where there's Jesus alone walking on the earth, would there be a whole people that would now come under the rest of God, the presence of God, and the Son of God says, foxes of holes, birds of nests, but will you guys get this and allow me to rest on you? Because when that happens, the book that's been written about you can come to fulfillment. I want you to be thinking today, just before we go on this great Father's Day, that you have a destiny, and it's way bigger than you can imagine. It's not a pamphlet. It's not a brochure. Come on, I'm talking to somebody right now that you've accepted that even the idea that God will use you, but you've got a pamphlet. God didn't write a pamphlet about you. He wrote a book about you. Why not come into agreement? Why not spend these days of praying about God's presence and saying, God, I want to be a part of the people who create an atmosphere for miracles. In fact, I'm on assignment not only to receive a miracle, but to perform a miracle in the name of Jesus who loves whosoever will may come. But why don't we just take a few moments today to pray and I just want to pray on this great Father's Day. Fathers, you're on assignment. I'm on assignment. Our families are on assignment to believe for a great destiny that God enters our life. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would bless all of our fathers today. Lord, there are fathers who don't feel even capable to be a, to be a dad, to be a father. And the enemy has whispered in their ear, you're a lousy father, you're not, never gonna be a good father, or circumstance maybe has even kind of shown that. But today we believe for the miracle that when God's presence comes into our life, it changes everything. It changes us from the inside out. I pray for that dad right now that doesn't feel like that he has a destiny in you, but he does. He has a destiny to his wife and a destiny to his children, a destiny to his co-workers, a destiny, Father. And it's a great destiny. And it's a book waiting to be fulfilled. There's nothing that we have to do to fulfill that book except 
to begin expecting, to begin asking, what's in the book, Lord? What would you have me do? How can I cooperate with your presence as it comes in my life? Lord, thank you to bless each and every one today. And Lord, as we get ready to come back together, I pray for wisdom on the leadership team. Lord, you would help us to move forward with faith and with wisdom and with a great testimony in our community. I pray for those things now in Jesus' name. Hey, I can't wait for next week uh, as we'll just unpack some more of the multiplication factor of miracles. How in the seed of every miracle is thousands of more miracles waiting to happen. God bless you. Can't wait to see you next week.